0: Yo what is going on everyone, my name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy and in today's video we're going in depth into my week number 9 running back start or sit decisions for every single matchup of week 9 of the 2023 fantasy football season but before we could get into things I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you are doing up enjoying today's video then you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below and while you're down there whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure they do leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. And if you'd like to get access to my weekly rankings that are updated throughout the week, as well as an answer to any of the questions you guys may have, make sure you check out the Patreon linked in the video description for $7.50 a month. Happy Halloween to everyone. I hope you guys have a great Halloween. And without further ado, let's get in to my Week 9 Running Back Start or Sit Decisions for the 2023 Fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers, an absolutely electrifying matchup between Will Levis and potentially kissing Titties' Mitchell Trubisky. If not, we're to get small hands, Kenny Pickett. What a riveting Thursday Night Football matchup. But what is pretty interesting here is we do kind of have a storyline at the running back position here with Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry. There has been a lot of rumors about Henry getting traded, but as of right now, that hasn't happened, and the sentiment around the league over the last couple of days is that it won't happen. Now, trade deadline is later today at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I'm not saying that's impossible for him to get traded, but right now, it feels like Derrick Henry will be a titan still on Thursday. Obviously, this matchup against the Steelers is not a wet dream matchup. This is not the most ideal matchup for Derrick Henry, but he has been a top 12 running back in back-to-back games, and if Will Levis is able to make this offense more consistent, then Henry will be a much safer bet weekly. And the reason why he will be a much safer bet is because Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears are very dependent on the game script for each of them to succeed. For the game script for Henry to succeed, the team needs to at least be somewhat in the game, right? If they are getting bent over a table, if they are getting raw dog down and out, and they have to throw a bunch, then we're going to see a lot more Tajay Spears. But for Tajay Spears, if the game is just in hand, like, ooh, they're only down seven, or they're up seven, they're up three, then we're going to see a lot more Henry, and Spears will basically be irrelevant. Even in games where I think there's going to be negative game script, I still play Henry because he has so much upside early on in the game. But for me, this really does feel like a closer game where Spears won't be on the field much. So I'm sitting Spears and I'm starting Derrick Henry with supreme confidence. Again, assuming he's a Titan come Thursday. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, Najee Harris has been playing all right over the last two weeks. He is a fringe start for me. But if Pickett can't play, I feel like they're just going to have to rely on the run more. Now, the Titans defense is pretty hit or miss every single week. Some weeks, the Titans defense as a whole looks rock hard. And then the next week, they're limp dick, right? And you never really know which defense you're gonna get week in and week out. At the end of the day, again, Najee Harris is a fringe start. Not a guy that I'm screaming to the mountaintops, banging the drum aggressively for, but a guy that, in certain situations, I would start. Now, when it comes to Jalen Warren, I've been saying all season that Warren is better than Najee. And I still, it's week nine, believe that. But... The Steelers don't think that. Matt Okaneda doesn't think that. So you have to sit, Jalen Warren. Next up, we move to Germany. The Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. There is a big narrative in this game. Can my Miami Dolphins defeat a team with a, ri- a winning record? Can the Dolphins beat an actually good team? Because all they do is beat the shit out of bad teams. Well, guess what? The Miami Dolphins are coming to Germany to spank that team. the Miami Dolphins have already flown into Germany. The Chiefs are waiting until Thursday or Friday to do so, which we've seen with the London games. The Buffalo Bills waited all week to fly in, and they literally looked like fish out of water in that game. They were atrocious. Terrible. So I think the Dolphins coming earlier on in the week is going to be very helpful. Interesting tidbit of information, the Chiefs defense has definitely been stronger than prior years, but against the run... They aren't the best. Mostert has had two down games in a row. Last week wasn't awful as he scored a touchdown, but it wasn't what we've come accustomed to with Mostert. I feel like here against the Chiefs in Germany, we should see a bigger focus on the run game for the Finns, which should boost Raheem Mostert's value. To me, Raheem Mostert is still a must-start running back every single week. And honestly, I think that once a chain comes back, once Devin 2-chains comes back, That's actually going to elevate Raheem Mostert even further. Jeff Wilson Jr. is a sit for me. We saw the workload ramped up last week against the Patriots, but the team is still using kind of a three-headed dragon approach at the running back position. Not just Mostert, and it's not just Mostert and Wilson. They still want to use Salvin Ahmed, and it makes it basically impossible to start Jeff Wilson with this setup. Pacheco had his first down game since week two against the Broncos, and the whole team shit the bed. They came out flat. They had no answer for it. Mahomes' flu game didn't go how Jordan's went, and it was a disaster. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I don't even give a fuck. Like, I know we always beat, they always beat the Broncos. They haven't, the Broncos haven't beat them since Peyton Manning. Yeah, I know, but who cares in reality? If I was a Chiefs fan, I'd say, whatever. It's not a playoff game. It don't matter. So I don't think the Chiefs are just dead after one down game against the Broncos, right? The Dolphins hung 70 on the Broncos. Doesn't matter. The Chiefs are going to come to play in Germany. Now, the Dolphins' run defense has certainly looked better, but to me, based upon the resume that Pacheco has put out this season, outside of last week and the first two games of the season... Pacheco is a guy that is must-start. Jarek McKinnon's a sit, as is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It feels like we are due for a huge McKinnon game because it hasn't happened a while, but those games are far and few in between. I would certainly bench McKinnon, and it's also harder for Jarek to really spread his wings and fly with C.H. also seeing work. Now we move to the beginning of the real Sunday slate, We got the cold-like Minnesota Vikings at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, as a fan of football, I want the Vikings to trade for a quarterback. Because they just go with deck the halls with Bowels of jolly. I don't even know if those are the fucking correct words, but you get what I mean, right? Hall, if they roll him out as the starting quarterback, you might as well have rolled the Vikings over and pat their belly because the Vikings are dead on arrival I don't give a fuck if they're playing this dumb bastard Arthur Smith they're dead they need to trade for a quarterback whether it's famous Jameis Winston or someone else maybe they bring in Carson Wentz anything is better than Hall so Bijan Robinson for me it would appear that he may be back after last week now somehow he had five targets for no receptions But I won't worry about that. You know, we'll mention it, but we don't need to talk too much about it. Hopefully with Heineke back under center, assuming they go back to Heineke, not to Desmond Ritter, the Falcons' offense will be better. He is still a must-start running back every single week due to his talent, but I still have my worries. I still have my doubts because I still think that Arthur Smith is just an idiot. He needs to wear a dunce cap on the sideline because... His mismanagement of Bijan Robinson in itself should be enough to get the man fired. Now, the other Falcons running back is Tyler Algier. Algier continues to see more usage than I would like as a Bijan Robinson truther, but even so, Bijan is still the guy, so you can't really play Algier. For the Vikings, Alexander Madison and Cam Akers. Now, if the Vikings make a trade for a quarterback, or if magically Carson Wentz becomes the guy, I don't even like Carson Wentz, but then I would probably switch Madison to a start, but with the guy they got right now, I don't really know how they're going to move the ball enough for Madison to get into a situation where they don't know they're running or that they get close enough to the goal line to where Madison can really do a lot of damage. Akers has recently seen a bump in touches, but even if he somehow surpassed Madison in touches, which I do not suspect will be the case, you still couldn't start him due to not having Kirk Cousins. Next up, we move to the Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns. Now, this is a game for the Browns where the running back situation right now feels a little bit dicey. Now, to me... Kareem Hunt with Jerome Ford F-150, still banged up with the sprained ankle. I think Hunt will be the head honcho in this backfield, and he has scored in three straight games, and in those games, that span of games, he has four total touchdowns. I love, love in all caps, I am erect at the matchup of the Arizona Cardinals, and with how good Hunt is, I think you should roll him out. But I will note that... There's a chance that while I do believe that Jerome Ford, who is a start, I think he's going to be limited in the touch category due to the injury. With this matchup being as simple as Jack from You Make Me Happy from Tropic Thunder, right? I think he is going to be limited, right? But this matchup is very very simple, and that's why Ford is start worthy, even with less touches than normal. But I will note a potential worry for Hunt, and another reason why you might want to like Ford more is that maybe he's more healthy this week. So we see a lot more Ford in this game. So again, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd rather have Hunt over Ford. But this does feel like a situation that. We might get into a double-headed backfield going forward, even though Ford was the guy initially. For the Cardinals, Imari DiMarcado is one of those starts that you play because you have players on bye or you're dealing with some significant injuries. He will see enough touches to be fine, but if the Cardinals offense keeps playing how they are, you probably won't see DiMarcado... ...finish inside the top 12 at the running back position, especially because of the matchup against the Browns. Based upon the last two weeks to me, it's very evident that DiMarcado is the guy and has overtaken ingram as the lead back so we definitely cannot start Keontae ingram next up we move to the la rams at the green bay packers if you guys have enjoyed today's video thus far and you are new to the channel make sure you hit that subscribe button down below And whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure you leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton so rams versus the packers the packers are another team just like the browns where the running back situation really frustrates me at this point in the season Aaron Jones is going to turn my hair gray with how stressful it is to watch him and this Packers team week in and week out. He hasn't been so bad to where it really ruins your week where Aaron Jones blows your team's back out and fucks you over, but he has not even come relatively close to my expectations. I fire up Jones this week due to me liking the matchup against the Rams, but I get why you, the Aaron Jones owner, I'm someone with Aaron Jones on my teams too, why you might want to bench him, why you might talk yourself into being like, oh, I don't really want to play Aaron Jones this week. I would get it. But it feels like at some point, he is destined to, to break free, right? Become the guy that we know and love Aaron Jones is. So I'm starting Aaron Jones this week, even if it's a little bit scary A.J. Dillon of the Packers. Three straight games inside the top 24 at running back. But once Jones breaks free, he's sore and he's flying like his name was Troy Bolton, we will see Dillon fade back into irrelevancy. With me believing that Jones is start worthy, that means that you cannot start Dillon. For the Rams, another interesting running back situation. That's kind of the theme of the week 9 running back start sit video so far, I guess. Rolls-Royce outsnapped Darrell Henderson last week 53-47 to in a game where they got the ever-living shit beat out of them by the Cowboys. This was a game that from, I would say, it, it felt like minutes into the game. We were just mere seconds into the game, and it felt like we were going to see the Rams start fucking waving the, the white flag, right? It felt like a game where the Rams were just never in it, At least by the start of the third quarter, it was a wrap. That's all, folks, like the fucking Looney Tunes cartoon. It was over, and it was never really close. The Cowboys just beat on the Rams relentlessly. It was like watching a a fight like when you play against like your little brother or your like little cousin you're playing like UFC or fight night back in the day against each other and like your little cousin your brother has no fucking idea how to play and you're just hitting him with everything in the book haymakers and they have no idea how to even walk forward so they're just getting beat the fuck out of that's what the cowboys did to the rams and I think that game script is what kind of led to Rolls Royce getting in more. But again, he outsnapped him 53 to 47, but Henderson still outscored him for fantasy, even though Royce Freeman scored the actual touchdown. I think Henderson is the guy to start over Freeman, and I really do like this spot against the Packers' defense. Now, Freeman's a guy, you know how we talked about how Najee is a fringe start. Freeman is a guy where he's very close to being a start, right? He's knocking on the door of being a start. But with Matthew Stafford's health situation, I don't know if I really want to go fully in depth into that because I still think Henderson is is better than him. Now, if you want to make some crazy argument with me in the comments, you type out the Declaration of Independence in favor of Freeman, I'm not going to go down there and have some fucking battle with you in the goddamn comment section, typing like I was the keyboard cat or something. But if you like Freeman, it's okay. It's okay. But personally, I'm rolling with Darrell Henderson, and I'm sitting. Rolls Royce Freeman. Next up, we move to a luxurious matchup of the Washington Commanders at the New England Patriots. The game of the week, of course. We got Sam Howell versus Mac Jones. I think Bill Belichick tricked a couple of people. Definitely tricked some Patriots fans into being like, we're back. Doing all the the fucking Conor McGregor, uh, the... What's, that? What's the guy's name from the WWE? You know what I'm talking about. McMahon, the McMahon strut, the billionaire strut, right? Patriots fans were talking all of this. And then they just got slapped by the Dolphins. Murdered. And now we're back at Patriots fans ready for the tank again, right? They just flip-flop every week. The Patriots are not a good team. The Commanders are pretty mid-team. That's how I'll assess things here. The Commanders are very unreliable. There are some games where the Commanders come out like against the Eagles. They they looked like they looked better than the Eagles. They were like you were watching the game and you would think, "Holy fuck, this is a playoff team." And then you watch other games where they just come out completely flat, on the wrong foot, and they look atrocious. And I would just assume we get a pretty in the middle version, a slightly above average version of the Commanders this week against the Patriots. Now the Patriots' coaching is so good defensively that a battered down Patriots defense will be good enough. But ultimately, I don't think they'll be able to fully be able to stop Brian Robinson. Uh, Certainly, a couple bullets couldn't stop Brian Robinson. The man's a beast. Robinson played just about as good as you could against a tough Eagles defense last week with a pretty average game. This week, he faces a a OK Patriots defense. If the Commanders are able to keep the lead, or if the commanders, I should say, are able to keep the lead like I think they could, then we should see a far better Robinson compared to the last few weeks. Ramondre Stevenson's a start. I don't really trust Ramondre Stevenson in the slightest. But what I will tell you is this matchup is incredibly juicy. This is the type of matchup where even me, someone who is very pessimistic of Ramondre, even when he was playing very well, this is the type of matchup that gets me confident enough to say I want to play him. Prior to last week, he was a top 15 running back in back-to-back weeks, and I could easily see him being back in that range this week against the Commanders defense especially if the commanders make some changes defensively at the trade deadline which i think might end up happening i don't know if it's gonna be sweat if it's gonna be young but based upon how sweat came off the field against the eagles kind of seems like sweat is a uh, bye bye pal see you later ezekiel elliott zeke is a headache for stevenson owners It feels like you got rocked by Mike Tyson. It feels like you drank a whole case of beer the night before. Zeke will probably see seven plus touches this week and may honestly score again. With that said, I'm still not starting him. Gibson is a sit as well. Gibson is a guy that needs to take one of the few targets he gets in the game to the house, to the crib, to be start-worthy. But with how much usage Robinson gets... And even with Gibson being sprinkled in Salt Bay style a little bit more into the game, especially in the receiving category, it feels like Gibson is kind of just the the odd man out in this offense. Next up, we move to another riveting matchup: the Chicago Chicago Bears and Tyson Bagent. At the New Orleans Saints and Derek Carr. But before we break this game down, as well as the rest of the week nine slate at the running back position, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL pickup in the whole entire universe. And Underdog has a great offer for you guys today that we're we'll gonna be talking about in just a couple of seconds. But first, I want to explain how the underdog pickup game works. You're going to have to make at least two picks from two different teams. You can make all of your picks from Thursday Night Football. You could go into Sunday. You can even go into Monday Night Football or match different sports together. They've got NBA, MLB, NHL, College Football, FIFA. They've got a bunch of different sports, but for the purpose of what we're talking about today, we're going to do two picks from Thursday Night Football. We are going to go with higher than 72 and a half rushing yards for Derrick Henry up against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, and we are going to match that with a game where I feel like the Steelers offense will be able to move the ball up enough to be able to kick a field goal, but not necessarily score a crazy amount of points. We're going to go with Chris Boswell, higher than one and a half field goals made. If both of these hit, we'll get three times our entry fee. If you do three picks, it is six times, four picks is ten times, and five picks is twenty times your entry fee. Now, if you live in one of these states on your screen right now, and use promo code NOTORIOUS or click on the link in the video description, you'll receive a first match deposit a bonus of up to $100. If you deposit $100, they give an additional 150 dollars additional 50 $50, $25, additional $25. The minimum deposit on underdog is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here. For the Saints, we're gonna keep this simple. Short and simple, right? Short and sweet here. Alvin Kamara, ever since getting out of NFL jail, ever since returning from his suspension, Kamara has been one of, in my opinion, probably one of the best three top five running back in the NFL. Even when Carr looks like the blind man from that Afro Man song, Kamara is still feasting. He's still eating. This motherfucker has the chance of getting 10 or more targets in any given game. I believe he's seen two games this season. Don't quote me because I'm not sure if this is exactly true. With 13 or more targets, which is just crazy. So if you can potentially get 10 or more targets in any given game, and Derek Carr loves peppering him, he gets touchdown opportunities against, in my opinion, the worst all-around defense in the NFL that may be getting even worse because their best player requested a trade and is probably gone on defense. You have to fire up Kamara this week with supreme confidence, and at this point, he is a no-brainer play. I don't give a fuck if this was the 85 Bears defense. I am playing Alvin Kamara, and it's even simpler with Jamal Williams, even with Williams being healthy, he has been a non-factor in this offense, which I honestly didn't expect with how much goal line work he got last year in Detroit. At this point, I don't even think that you should be wasting a bench spot on Jamal Williams because even when Kamara wasn't there and Williams was the guy early on in the season, Williams wasn't doing shit. You put him in with decent expectations and it was nothing. It came out flat. So Jamal Williams, to me, is a clear sit. And even if something was to happen to to Kamara, knock on wood, we don't root for injuries, of course, I don't think that we would see Williams really take over. I think we would see kind of a running back by committee that is just disgusting. For the Bears, Foreman is a start. He had a down game last week after the team inserted Roshan Johnson back into the lineup. I am willing to give Foreman one more shot here. Not five more shots, not ten more shots. One chance, one opportunity here against a pretty ass Saints defense. My confidence is at an all-time low like that John Bellion song right now with Donta Forskin. So again, I don't think the matchup's pretty good, but I'm scared because Roshan's there and because Justin Fields won't be back this it's an offense that's going to be bad, probably. But again, the Saints defense is not living up to my expectations, so there's a chance that Tyson Baygent ends up keeping them in this game enough for Foreman to be valuable. Next up, we got the Seahawks at the Ravens, and we might have a running back controversy in Seattle coming to Bruin. Now, I'm not ready to fully say that, guarantee, bet your house, that we're to see more Zach Charbonnet going forward, but it's something to talk about. Now, I'm starting Kenneth Walker III. Last week against the Browns was a game in which we saw a very close split share between Walker and Charbonnet, leading to Charbonnet out-touching him. In my opinion, this is probably because... Kenneth Walker III, KW3, came into the week banged up. I thought that he would be fine. They kind of reduced his touches. Now, again, it's not sound the alarms. It's not wee-woo-wee-woo, full-on panic mode. But it's something to note if you are a Walker owner that, hey, maybe if Zach Charbonnet is available, I should cut someone off my bench and add him now, hold him as a handcuff because... If he starts to take over, then we might need to really sound the alarms for Kenneth Walker. I don't love the matchup this week against the Ravens. I don't think anyone would. But at the end of the day, I don't think you can sit Walker, so he's a start. Zach Charbonnet, like I was kind of talking about. The most we have seen Charbonnet all season was last week. We will see if he's able to keep it up or if Charbonnet is just a one-hit wonder. But if I'm being honest with you, even one-hit wonder might be a little bit generous because the motherfucker only scored eight points. For the Ravens, Gus Bus has been balling out of control as a top six back in back-to-back weeks like he was on the cover of Lethal Weapon. Not the greatest matchup against the Seahawks, but when a player is running this hot. We talk about this all the time. Remember Curtis Samuel from a couple weeks ago. When someone is on fire, we here on the Notorious Fantasy YouTube channel to the theory, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're new, of the, it's the NBA Jam Theory. If a player is on fire, NBA Jam style, you keep rolling them out there. I get there's a chance that the flame gets put out by Justice Hill getting more touches or Lamar vulturing the touchdowns, but when you run this hot, Two weeks in a row, we have to start him with confidence. This man has scored four touchdowns in the last two games. I can't sit him. You can't sit down a player that is this piping hot. Justice Hill has been pushed to the side for the gust bus recently. But it is still possible, it's plausible, like we're in Mythbusters, that we see more usage of Justice Hill this week. Because again, we've seen all year that the Ravens can't really commit to just one guy. They have over the last two games, but it's not a guarantee that when the season comes to a close, I know it's already week nine, but, you know, when the season comes to the close all those weeks later, that Gus Edwards, if he's healthy, and Hill, if they're both healthy, that Edwards is the clear back. But again, right now, with Edwards running this strong, I'm still a little bit worried about Justice Hill, but I can't start Hill because he's been faded out and Gus Edwards is the guy to start. Next up, we move to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Houston Texans. I mean, this week nine schedule is loaded with just amazing games, right? We actually surprisingly have like a couple of good games, Like, like we got the Dolphins at the Chiefs. We've got a fun other primetime matchup, Sunday Night Football with the Bills and the Bengals. We've got the Cowboys and the Eagles, but you know... Those fun games are far and few in between. Now, again, I'm not trying to shit on the NFL here. I would watch the third stringers play football. Like, I, I love football that much. But again, <laughs> some of these matchups this week are just so boring. Like, you just don't really give a fuck about them. Obviously, you care because you got, you, you know, you got Rashad White on your team. So you're, so you're going to watch. You're going to care. But in reality, who gives half a rat's ass unless you're a Bucks or a Texans fan about this game? Rashad White has been a top 12 running back in back-to-back weeks with over six targets in each game. I may sound like a broken record or like I'm beating a dead horse, whatever type of analogy you want to use at this point. But in matchups, I say this every week, in matchups against not amazing defenses, White tends to eat against tough opponents He struggles. This matchup against the Texans should be good enough for White to exceed yet again. His efficiency is still absolutely terrible, but again, he's going to be given the opportunity here. He's a bad matchup merchant. In bad matchups, he's great. Or against bad defense, I should say. In bad matchups for him, he's terrible, but in bad... Playing against bad defense, he's good. So, again, I'm not here to say the Texans defense is dog shit, but they're not amazing. So I think we should see a solid Rashad White game. Keshawn Vaughn, the Bucks use a few guys behind Rashad White, which leads to really none of them being even notable enough to talk about. I, I put Keshawn Vaughn on the graphic, but, again, you could have listed, like, another guy, and I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't really have meant anything. You're not starting any of those guys. For the Texans, Pierce and the Texans' offense as a whole struggled mightily like the people who tried to grab the sword out of the stone, the Excalibur, prior to King Arthur. Now, I love Pierce. I'm a Damian Pierce truther. I'm a Damian Pierce guy till the day I fucking die. But with two down games in a row, and with this offense looking relatively limp dick in a lot of games, using Singletary Moore as well... Means he gotta sit Pierce until further notice. Now against the Bucks, like would it be crazy to see Pierce has a great game here? No. Fuck no, baby. But right now, I'm just I'm just not feeling it, Mr. Krabs, with Damian Pierce. Devin Singletary, like I said with Pierce, we're starting to see more Singletary. Devin has yet to score over 10 points this season, so there's no need to start him. But him getting more usage is noteworthy enough to why we want to sit Pierce. Next up we move to the Indianapolis Colts at the Care O lineup Panthers. We got a fun running back game here. Jonathan Taylor, it is very evident that Zach Moss is not going away and that he will continue to pester Jonathan Taylor owners all season long. But at the end of the day, JT is still that guy and still has weak winning upside Every single week. There's a reason why the Indianapolis Colts gave one of those comically large checks. They backed up the Brinks truck for Jonathan Taylor despite seeming like they never wanted to actually do it. You guys remember that tale? It was crazy. It was Ursae and Jonathan Taylor getting into a fight. Ursae saying he wanted to transport some fucking beluga whale or something from one body of water to another, but he didn't want to play JT and now he paid JT, and now this team's still using more Moss, but... Not more Moss than JT every week, but still using Moss. But again, Jonathan Taylor's that guy. He's that man. He's Himothy. So I'm still confident in JT. He was a top 20 running back last week, but... Even if Moss scores and JT doesn't, I still think he's good enough to not screw your team over and thus being start-worthy, especially up against a bad Panthers defense. Zach Moss, like I said with JT, I'm starting JT and I'm starting Moss. I'm starting JT with more confidence, but Moss isn't going away. He is like herpes. I, actually, I think herpes do go away if you use medicine. So I don't know, that was a shitty joke, but... You know, Moss outscored JT last week. With that said, the matchup against the Bad Panthers defense, I think Moss becomes a fringe start. I still definitely trust more in JT. For the Panthers, Miles Sanders being banged up and just flat-out bad, even when he was healthy, has elevated Chuba Hubbard into a position to see a majority of the workload. I like this matchup against the Colts, and if Bryce Young is just okay in this game and they can stay in this battle here, I think Hubbard will end up being a decent start at the end of the week. So starting Hubbard, and based on what I said, it's pretty clear we're sitting Sanders. Sanders hasn't really looked good at all this season outside of week three against Seattle, and that feels like two decades ago at this point. Him being banged up has led to Hubbard take it over despite that big hefty bag that the Panthers gave Sanders. What a bunch of idiots. Next up, we move to the New York Jumbo Jets at the Las Vegas Raiders. Josh Jacobs looked downright incredible, looked orgasmic against a solid Lions defense on Monday night, despite the Raiders offense being very, very bad. Jacobs is a player that is held hostage by the situation that he is in. I wish Jacobs was on a better offense because of how fun it would be to talk about Jacobs if you knew that the offensive line would block all the time, and you knew that the quarterback wasn't going to throw a dumbass pick or get sacked five gazillion times. Like, then you'd feel pretty confident in Jacobs. He's been pretty hit or miss this season. But for me, it would be hard to believe up against the Giants defense that Josh Jacobs really shits the bed here. So even if Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Guap, Jimmy Pornstar doesn't play his best, I still think Jacobs gets it done. Amir Abdullah... There's Abdullah. There's Amir White. They split the RB2 role. And that's really all you need to know in order to sit him. Saquon has been a top 12 running back in back-to-back weeks. Last week against the Jets, Saquon was the Giants offense when Danny DeVito's cousin Tommy DeVito had to take over after Terod Taylor got hurt. Saquon had 36 carries. 36 carries for 128 yards. We just saw Gibbs run like prime Adrian Peterson against the Raiders last night. So, this is certainly possible that this is a huge game for Saquon Barkley, regardless of if it's Daniel Jones, Terod Taylor, or even the Italian Stallion, Tommy DeVito. Matt Burita is a sit with Barkley back in the saddle. There isn't even a reason to waste my breath talking about Burita. He is a clear Crystal clear sit. Next up, we move to the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. Tony Pollard had a shit game last week against the Rams, despite the Cowboys rolling the Rams up like a blunt and smoking them. Pollard scored seven points. You heard that right. Seven points. What the fuck? I still think Pollard's a must-start weekly, but he's starting to tilt me. This is, though, the perfect game for him because I get the matchup is rough right? This is not a great matchup. This isn't a wet dream matchup, but this is a game where things should be close, right? This isn't a game where the Cowboys are beaten down on a team and we don't see Pollard. This isn't a game where they're so far back that we won't see Pollard. Hopefully, assuming the Cowboys actually show up in this game and with how the Eagles have played, this should be a close, fun game to watch. With potential to be very high scoring, that should involve Pollard more. But again, Pollard is really starting to tilt to me. It's starting to get very frustrating to have Pollard in your lineup weekly, even though he is really good. DeAndre Swift bounces back after a semi-down performance in Week 7 against the Dolphins in prime time, looked solid against the Commanders, and even scored a touchdown on that fake tush push. Again, the tush push is one of the biggest topics in the NFL every single week, and is also one of the most frustrating things for DeAndre Swift, because you know, once they get to the one-yard line, unless they do a fake again, I gotta be Jalen Hurts with the touchdown, and Swift kind of gets iced out of those. He's always a must-start for me, though, regardless, because of the offense he's in with the offensive line, even though Jalen Hurts is pretty clearly, pretty evidently banged up, even if the matchup isn't amazing, right? It's not like you see the Cowboys on defense and you're like start salivating. You start thinking you're like having a wet dream at night thinking about this. No, you're not doing that. But even in the toughest of spots, this Eagles offense normally prevails and Swift should be just fine. Kenneth Gainwell's a sit. Gainwell continues to see enough usage to be annoying to Swift, but it really hasn't elevated him up for me to make him a start-worthy player. Rico Dowdle doesn't even see enough work to be considered even rosterable, in my opinion. Next up, we move to, Cause you waited all day for Sunday night. The Buffalo Bills at the Cincinnati Bengals. We've got a rematch from the game last year that got canceled due to Damar Hamlin. Good to see that Damar Hamlin is obviously Healthy now, this is going to be a game where the whole pregame is probably going to be talking about that. It's going to be very emotional. You already know they're going to pan to Hamlin on the sideline. He might be tearing up a little bit. And it's going to be like a scene where even people who don't watch football will be like, oh shit, or someone who's more of a casual fan will be like, oh fuck, this is the game from last year, right? Now that game, before Hamlin, that happened... Like, oh shit, this is going to be that Rock'em Sock'em Robots electrifying, was it Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, whatever it was, that electrifying primetime matchup that you've been waiting for, and it doesn't end up finishing. Like some premature, not premature ejaculation, what's that called? Erectile dysfunction was the word we were looking for. But again, I'm not trying to make fun of what happened to Damar Hamlin. I would never do that. I'm someone that takes injuries very seriously. As someone that's a Dolphins fan, that watched what happened to Tua, and I've seen a lot of bad injuries in the past. It makes me, I, I hate when people make fun of injuries. So I'm never going to be that guy that comes out here and is like, ha ha, this, that, and the other thing, right? So I'm not going to do that. This is going, again, this is going to be a matchup where everyone's talking about that though. So there's going to be a main point. It's going to be set on the broadcast. You already know that. With that said though, into the real meat and potatoes of the game here, Mixon. Mixon is a player that heavily relies on the success of his team's offense. Nick, that's every player. But I want to just explain this so that you understand. If the Bengals are not looking somewhat okay or above average, then we see Mixon peter off. We see Mixon fall outside the top 24. Like, unless everything's going right, Mixon kind of struggles. Now, when things are going right, when they're firing at all cylinders, like the last couple of weeks, we've seen Mixon have that top 10 upside. So with that said, the kind of ups and downs of the Bengals' offense, I feel confident that the Bengals will be very much in this game. Last week, Mixer was on fire and had over 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. I expect that something similar could happen this week against the Bills. Travion Williams, on a good day, this man sees two touches. He shouldn't even be rostered in any league, so don't start him, obviously. James, let him cook is a start. I am somewhat worried about cook going forward following the addition of Leonard Fournette signing with the team. But with that said, that should have very little effect in this matchup. Cook has been very hit or miss. I guess they never miss, huh? Over the last four games. But so has the kind of the Bills offense as a whole. Mostly been a miss, though, in those games. With that said, he will continue to see around 15 touches a game, and in a high-scoring environment like I believe this game will be, you simply cannot sit him. Latavius Murray, one of these days, he's going to vulture Cook and score a touchdown, but most of the time he's going to be irrelevant, and you can't really predict that. Final game here, we got the Chargers at the New York Jumbo Jets on Monday Night Football, the Super Chargers versus the Jumbo Jets. Eckler had been in a bit of a slump prior to last week against the Bears. Last week, he had over 90 receiving yards and a touchdown finishing as a top eight back. I get this matchup isn't perfect against the Jets defense, but the upside of Eckler, even in a tough spot, is the best running back in fantasy football, especially since Herbert will be in danger from that front seven of the Jets. He's going to have to dump the rock off to Mr. Eckler, which will help out Eckler a ton. So you obviously have to start Eckler. Joshua Kelly's a sit. Kelly absolutely reeked to high heaven with Eckler out. But when Eckler is able to soften that defense up a little bit, Kelly plays much better. Even with that said, though, he is super inconsistent, and this matchup is too tough to consider him. For the Jets, Brees Hall's had three straight weeks inside the top eight at running back. A huge round of applause for Brees Hall. Finally breaking out of, you know the leash that Salah had on him. Because once that leash, the workload restriction came off, he's turned into a monster inside of my head. Like that Eminem and Rihanna song for fantasy. He's been a demon. He's been amazing. And I adore this spot against the Chargers. This is one of those wet dream matchups where I'm going to wake up. I have Brees Hall on my team. I'm going to wake up on Monday morning. There's going to be saliva all over my pillow and jizz in my pants. I'm going to be that excited. Hall is officially a must-start every single week. Michael Carter, Dalvin Cook has been sent to the doghouse and may actually get traded today. Something to monitor. That moves Carter to the RB2 role, but with how good Brees is played, you're obviously not playing Michael Carter. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below as well as hitting that like button. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you'd like my weekly rankings as well as an answer to any of the questions you guys may have, make sure you check out the Patreon link in the video description for $7.50 a month. I love you guys all so much. Make sure you check out one of the videos on your screen right now if you haven't seen them already. Happy Halloween. I love you guys all so much hope you have a great guys day and as always good boy